0: Welcome to Oaken Bros. This is Eric.
1: And I'm Michael. And if you want the place for the law of attraction, spirituality, food, health, brothership, friendship, everything that you want to learn about, like, subscribe, and smash that like button, and subscribe to our podcast, everybody.
0: I love that, Michael. I love that. That's the first time we ever did that. I so, want to
1: surprise you. Today, we have
0: on Adam Posner, host Posner. Of the Posner, host of the podcast. That 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 was confusing. Well, it throws, it, people, it throws people off.
2: Yeah, we'll get to that.
0: Po- po- Posner, and we have the podcast, which is P O Z C A S T. And he is founder and director, uh, managing director of NHP Talent. Thank you for coming on, Adam.
1: Gentlemen, good morning. Welcome Thank to you the, so much for having welcome me. Welcome to then. the broadcast, my brother. Adam, yeah, but- I don't. I've never met you. Like besides, like you interviewed Eric, and then I was like, kind of like half assedly invited on your show for like the last ten minutes. Like, uh, bring the <laughs> retarded him, yeah, brother man. on. It's fine. Bring the idiot brother on. I feel like I know you. Your personality yeah. is infectious. I feel like I've met you. I feel like I've hung out with you. I feel like, I feel like I've met you at like Mulligan's. Or, you know Mulcahy's. I'm serious. I feel like we- I met you at
2: Mulcahy's. <laughs> right? No, I'm serious. Like I
1: feel like I know you. Have you always been this infectious with your personality? I think, well,
2: yes. And no, I think I'm not for everybody. And that's by design. I don't try to be everything for everybody. I think that's not the right right approach in life. I I really, uh, I hate to use the word authentic, but I really truly think I am my authentic self for better or for worse, like it or love it, love it or hate it. Like I really don't care. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, and it's tough in my profession too, because likability goes a long way, you know, in the world of recruiting, it's important to gain trust and be your authentic self and really connect with candidates and re- re- connect with clients. And I found that really works for me, mm-hmm. you know, and it's also so much easier. And I think you guys know this. It's so much easier to be yourself than to pretend to be somebody. It's so much work to be yep. something that you're not. And I said, you know what, I'm trying to do less work. So, mm-hmm. <laughs>
0: so okay. That's okay. What I'm at, man. what is it that you actually do?
2: Yes. Great question. What is it actually do? I explained that to my mom. So I, I feel like it's one of those things, too, where like if you could explain to your mom what you do for a living and she understands it, then you said it pretty clearly and articulate. So I'm a recruiter. Um, I recruit in the marketing space. I recruit for digital marketing, media, ad tech. Anything that you would find in a marketing organization, that's what I do. I work with brands. I work with startups. That's really my sweet spot. Companies that range in that 50 to 250-person space is who my ideal client is because, generally speaking, they either have a small talent acquisition team or they don't have one at all, and they hire myself and my company to come in and essentially be white label extension recruiters for them. We come in and we build and scale their organizations. We're kind of like the A-team. I'm sure you guys were A-team fans back in the day. Sure. Right? Uh, so, yeah, right. so so, you're, like you're- I'm Hannibal.
1: I was going to say, you're more like a B.A. Baracus kind of guy.
2: No, I got my B.A. Baracus, right? I got my Hannibal. I am Hannibal. I got B.A. Baracus. I got Face. I got everybody there, right? And each one of these guys is part of my SWAT team. I have my sales recruiter. I have my tech recruiter. uh, I have a couple other recruiters that are really highly specialized in performance marketing and media. So when a company needs something, we don't come in and we do the fee-based recruiting that everyone is kind of used to, right? We don't do like that 20% fee thing. We come in and we're hourly retained contractors. It's Mm -hmm. guaranteed money because I found early on in the recruiting process when I was just swinging for home run commissions all day, dude, it's a challenge to get that ball over the fence all the time, man. And it was stressful. And I said, you know what? Let me scale back. Let me see where that white space opportunity is in the industry. And I switched the game up. So now I'm a consistent 330 hitter, doubles, triples all day long, driving in 99 RBIs, 20 stolen bases, consistent money. And I'm happy and it's less stress. But that's what it's
0: all. That's what business is all about. It's about it's about the average. You know, you can't ever look at anything day to day. You have to look at how it goes over time, and I think that's easy to uh, that's easy easy to lose sight of, in my opinion.
2: Yeah, it is. It's the it's the the pivot, right? It's that it's that looking and saying what's working, what's not working, how is this stressing me out, why am I doing the same thing that everyone else in the industry? And listen, I didn't reinvent the wheel. There's plenty of other recruiters out there that work in this hourly model. Mm-hmm. But I found for me, for my business, I am very high touch. Uh, I am very client focused as far as being consultative. Like it's not just putting a warm body in the seat, but it's being involved in their organization, like building relationships with the hiring managers. I mean, having that rapport with them, going back to what you're saying, Michael, like utilizing my strength of the personality, the ability to connect the gift of gab that I have being someone who's been in their shoes before as a hiring manager in marketing and recruiting, that's what makes the business different and special.
1: What'd you do before?
2: Oh, that's a good question, man. So, like What led uh, you up to this? this yeah, year, let's, let, let's work backwards on this story now. So you can see I'm in Long Beach here. Here's my little painting. I'm not Beach, too far
1: from in you house. Yeah, so Long it's a little, Beach, me- it's a little in meta, the right?
2: And it's a beautiful day. Like in the summertime, I walk out to the boardwalk and it yeah. Feels like, it feels like spring outside. I know, I'm going to try to get out there later. So here, here's a down and dirty story real quick. Born and raised New Yorker, born in Brooklyn, lived in the city, school in Buffalo, always been in New York State, which is- You went to, to Buffalo? A, you went yeah, to man. Buffalo? What yeah. year did you graduate? uh 2001 yeah may 2001 oh my. Oh, so you uh, i
1: knew a ton of people that went to buffalo
2: yeah we could play we could play the jewish geography game uh yeah all, I'm not all there, but yeah, yeah. no one That's gives so a sorry. shit about that no, no, no but no, i knew
1: no. i knew a ton of kids that went to buffalo yeah i, I mean it was easy that. man
2: it, my, my parents said to me basically i wanted to go to university of maryland i really did and i didn't get in the, the rest hon- of long island yeah right i didn't get into the honors program there i got into like some other program there which honors was like program. a quarter scholarship I mean, my mom said to me she's like listen both my parents in New York City, board of ed teachers, right? I mean, I make more money combined now than both of them did at the peak of their entire career. Like, I believe it. love and respect, and like, right. and I was always brought up humble like that. And my mom said to me, she goes, "Listen, we we could barely afford to send you to Maryland, but if that's where you want to go, we'll we'll make it happen. But we can't give you anything else. We can't help you financially. We can't help you with a car. We can't help you with housing. So like, if you go to Buffalo." It's easier in our pocket. We could get you a car when you move off campus. It's a good school. It's not a bad school. Yeah. And it was a no brainer, man. I had a couple of the buddies that were going there and I went and I went to Buffalo. Anyway, when when I went to Buffalo, um, this is where I really screwed up, man. I got accepted into the Buffalo business school as it was five year MBA program, early admission. And I had a gift in front of me. I had a gift in front of me. Five year business MBA from there. And listen, I was 18 years old going to college, you know, the first time living out on your own and you're partying and girls and this and that and everything. And I bombed, man. I bombed out of that business school the first semester. Man. I made I like 1.6. I failed calculus and they basically gave me one more chance. And then I bombed it the second semester and I was out of that business school and I was like, shit, now I got to go for a comm degree. And that was real disappointing. You know, I mean, right. I didn't realize it then that I do now what that would have meant and i really truly think that having that masters that mba would have gone a long way and maybe shifted mm-hmm. my career a little bit yes or no but it depends it, it may, it may i have you an M- are, right. yeah. I, I have an mba right, right? But it, and, the, thing, and the, the joke is the joke is not this is not
1: about me the joke is i always tell people, oh you have an mba and i said yeah i said well, I, I ran out of toilet paper one night yeah, exactly. and the only thing that was next to me was my mba yeah because it, because they taught i learned more opening a business in Las Vegas, dealing with the locals there.
0: I mean, you know, how I could much have, have you learned, learned, how much have you learned Adam in the past year of doing what you're doing?
2: My, my, my last two years on my podcast has been my yeah. PhD, not 100%. Even an MBA. 100%. The, 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 the 115 guests that I've had on the actual audio podcast and the 70 shows I've done at the live 100%. show in two years, um, like the amount of content, the experts, the, 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 the heads of global talent had a global talent at freaking Google on my show. Like the right. knowledge, for my industry, what I do day-to-day versus learning business th- techniques, and I learned the right. business stuff on the fly. So real quick, down and dirty on the career story. Uh, came out of school. I always wanted to be in advertising. I knew what I wanted to do. So first 15 years of my career, uh, working at different ad agencies. My first stop was a food service ad agency. It was great. I was flying to Vegas a couple times a year for the restaurant show. I was 23 years old, getting the sweets at thing. the MGM, and the I'm like, what thing. the hell is going on here? did that. Nightclub and bar show it was great. Fast forward, worked at American Express, worked at Sirius XM Satellite Radio for five years, which was the best five years of my career. Wow. And then I landed over at VaynerMedia working for the great Gary Vaynerchuk. And I thought no it way. was, yeah, and I thought it was, I thought it was, I thought the grass was going to be greener on the other side. I was super amped. And this is right. before Gary was a household name. Right. My buddy knew Gary very well. He actually helped Gary open up his first office in the Buddy Media conference mm-hmm. room. My, my buddy Kenny hooked me up with that. And, you know, I, but I still had to interview. I still had to get the job. No one handed me anything there. Right. I got the job. And I'll tell you something it was, uh, Day one, you know, I got all excited and everything, but then there was like the, kind of that weird feeling in my gut, like what, what's going on here? Like, what is this? And I'll be honest, it was a combination of that I wasn't truly set up for success. And I think that VaynerMedia um, back then, you know, five, six years ago, was a different organization than it was now. It was a very immature, four to five year old company that didn't have their shit together. And I wasn't set up for success. I wasn't placed on an account right away. I kind of floated. I was a director of account accounts, account, mm-hmm. account management. Right. So typically when you come into an ad agency, you're hired for a specific account. We're hiring Adam, he's going to work on the McDonald's account. That didn't happen. They hired me in advance of the need. They said, All right, Mm -hmm. let's hire Adam and then we'll figure it out, which is a terrible thing to do at any organization. You have to set your people up for success. And I kind of floated between a few things. I couldn't get my feet grounded. And here was another really interesting thing. Back then, Vayner was literally Lord of the Flies. You came in every day, and unless you were in a creative role or project management, there were no assigned seats. So literally. It wow. was freaking uh what was that? What's that game when you play the music and you pull the chair away? Musical chairs. Uh, yeah, thank right. you. It's Monday right. morning. I can't think of a musical chair. It was musical chairs every morning. And at some point, they ran out of seats. Like, if you came in a little bit late and I was commuting from Long Island, we just bought a house, a whole shit show. There was times I had to sit on the floor. I'm wow. like, with my laptop on front of me. I'm like, what is this? I'm 35 years old. I'm not a kid. Why do I, you know, why do it? And ultimately, guys, like. I'll spare you the details, but there was some personal stuff going on in my life. I was not the person that I am now, and I did not handle some situations in that office the right way, and I lost my job. I got fired, and um, it was seven months in, and I knew it was coming. Listen, anybody who ever gets fired that says they don't see it coming, they're not being truthful, man. You know if you're not performing. You know, if you're not doing your job. So it wasn't a surprise, but it did hit me like a ton of bricks. And on that day that I got let go, Gary and I always had a really good relationship. And I was going to say, did you meet him? Yeah, I mean, Gary. Yeah, I mean, yes, I've worked with him. I was sitting on business pitches with him. Um, And don't get me wrong. There was a lot of things I did well, and I still know how to do that piece of the business. And I think the key piece there is account management. That's why I'm so good at what I do now. Because the core thing there is, you guys know this, it's managing expectations. It's the number one gold piece of advice for any business owner, how you manage your client's expectations. Mm -hmm. And I did that really well. The problem was it was other things I didn't do well. And some interpersonal relationships that I didn't handle the best way that I will save for a conversation over a drink with you guys one day offline. Sure. So, I lost my job. HR let me go and I'm devastated, man. We literally just bought the house in Merrick here, you know, a $600,000 house, mortgage out the ass, like taxes, you know, the deal. Like, we live 100%. in the most expensive place in the world. I'm like, in the world. What am I going to do? So, Gary comes in and him and I always had a good rapport, a good relationship. And we sat there for an hour, literally having a heart to heart conversation about life, right? A heart to heart conversation. And he says to me, he goes, listen, Adam, he goes, everyone you know we we like you it's just this was not right this was not the right time and place he goes listen i've been around you enough to say you need to stop focusing on all these things that you suck at stop trying to fix these things that you're not good at and take an inventory and say what am i good at and double down on that double down on your strengths and stop focusing on your weaknesses and that's what I did. And we sat there for about an hour going over all the things. I'm you know, I'm good at schmoozing. I'm good at this. I actually know marketing and advertising. I could connect the dots. I've always been a connector. I have a tremendous network. And he's like, Well, what would you even think about doing other than this? And I was like, you know, Gary, my buddy does finance recruiting. Before I could finish my sentence, Gary goes, Adam, you'd be a kick-ass recruiter. And I said, Okay, I guess that, I guess that's what the hell I'm gonna do, right? I'm gonna switch right, I'm gonna switch careers. So I walked out that day. And here was another freaking fuck. It was April 1st. It was April Fool's Day. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, come on, man. Like, so I hate April Fool's Day. So I walked outside, and it was like 1030 in the morning, and my wife worked down the block. So we, that was when Vina was on Park. My wife's a, 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 an attorney, so she was a few blocks away. And there's a bar. There's a little Irish bar on Park Avenue in, in the 20s over there. I forgot the name of it. In between her office and my office. Mm-hmm. So I called her up, and I told her what happened. And she's like, you got to be kidding me. This is not the first time in my career. And I said, I'm going to the bar. I'm going to have a couple of drinks. And I did that. It was like 10 30 in the morning. I was like that dirty old man in the bar, like at 10 30 in the morning. Right. It was so cliche, man. So cliche. Right. Right. Like having drinks at 10 30 in the morning. Like who does that? Right. But I needed it. Like I needed just that. And I knew that things were going to be different. I knew that I wasn't going to go back to this life of advertising. And then I, I dedicated the next six, seven weeks to due diligence of reaching out to every recruiter I've ever worked with, referrals of recruiters. And everyone was so generous with their time. And they really spent time to walk me through what it was like to be a recruiter, the ups and downs, the financial implications. And through that process, I got to meet a a gentleman by the name of Tom Hall at Onward Search, and they hired me. And it was a company that, if anyone knows anything about recruiting, recruiting could be really hardcore sales, smile and dial, ring up and down, phone up and down. But they weren't like that. They understood that I had a tremendous relationship, network, And that's what I was going to leverage. And that's Mm -hmm. how they taught me how to be a recruiter, leverage your relationships. And that's Mm -hmm. what I did, man. First year, I was rookie of the year. I mean, six-figure billing. And I was like, this is my calling, man. This is it. But day one, 35 years old, new job, new employee. I had to learn a profession from the beginning. And that was crazy. Right. It was humbling, man. It was crazy. And I haven't looked back. Yeah. I did that for about three years. And then three years ago, I said, screw it. I'm done working for other people. And I launched my own consultancy. And that's so the story.
0: Was the podcast, was the podcast, like, was that also day one? Was that part of the plan or did oh. that come after the fact?
2: No, no. So the podcast was launched February, 2019. So I was already a year plus into my own company. And the way that story goes is I, I went to SiriusXM and to follow Howard Stern. I'm a tremendous, 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 tremendous lifelong 25 plus years. You, you're, a, a, you're a Jewish
1: kid from New York. It's right. a rite of passage to worship Howard, the beastie boys, and Billy Joel. Like if you yeah, don't yeah. worship, it's like a rite of passage. At least two your... out of
2: those three. Two out of right. those three. Howard, Billy so, Joel, like, and the you beastie look, boys. look like you look That's like, somebody that, right. you look like somebody that would be on Howard's show. Right. As a whackpacker, right? Yeah. Um no, not a whack not, packer. Not as a whackpacker,
0: but just someone that comes in that Howard beats up.
2: I, I would love him, man. He could he could do it all day. And I and I only five years I've seen Howard twice. When I when I was at we've there. seen him
0: we've seen him twice we saw yeah. him once at the Bellagio, and then we saw him we saw sat him right, at, we we saw sat him
2: right once behind
1: at, him at the O show at the O Cirque du Soleil. No, so oh, yeah. it was three yeah. t- it was three times because so you not see over him.
0: We no we left. My dad early. Was making fun of him. We left yeah. early and and then he left early too from the Dude, show and walking. then my dad started screaming Howie you suck Howie you suck Howie Oh man it was so funny and then we met him
1: at Ben's Deli in Wheatley Plaza. <laughs>
2: He's, he's, yeah, he's a long, he's a he's a long, he's a long island guy. The North he shores, is,
1: North shore gets Ben's deli at Wheatley Plaza.
2: No, great. I mean, How, Howard's, Howard's great, man. And like, you know, I followed Howard there and I always had like this passion for like broadcasting. And in my opinion, you know, since Howard went to satellite radio and he had the open format where he could interview as long as he wants, Howard Stern is the greatest interviewer of our generation. Yeah, I no, it. No there's doubt. no one who has a better conversational interview than Howard. And it's something that I've always admired. And that's why I take the mic show. So fast forward February, 2019, I hear every Tom, Dick and Harry out there. Everyone's cat, their mailman, their dog. Everyone's got a podcast. Everyone's doing this thing. And I really didn't hear any that were good. I'm like, I hear a lot of people just talking to each other, like self-promoting, you know, just giving mm-hmm. each other reach arounds. I'm like, this is not where, where I, where I see the show going. And I said, I could do better. And I didn't know what the hell I was doing, but I had zoom and I was like, I could record Zoom and I could figure this whole thing out. So the first show I ever did in 2019, February 2019, was a networking call with this gentleman named Q who's on LinkedIn. Um, he's a creator. He wears these crazy hats, whatever. And we literally just recorded our first networking call. And I listened back to him like, okay, that's okay. It's not really much flow or context there. And mm-hmm. I started to build the show out. And I started to like book some guests that I knew in, in the recruiting world. And I'm sorry, I need to focus on something. So the beginning was talent acquisition, HR recruiting had a lot of those conversations and then about eight or nine episodes mm-hmm. in one of my friends is like do you, you know our friend jenny is a media coach she's like she's Grant cardone's like media coach like she does all these celebrities and like trains them in podcasting on on-camera media all their techniques and i spent about a week and a half with her and i built out a process i built out a flow i built out a cadence and what she taught me was a story arc she taught me how to have a story arc in my podcast, how to take the listeners from A to B. And that's what I've done over the last 110 episodes. It's take the listener on a journey. I unpack someone's career, their life lessons that they learn. We mm-hmm. go through different things. We get all the way up there. Now we're talking about COVID. We're talking about culture. We're talking about teams. And it's been incredible. I've interviewed go- Governor David Patterson, former governor of the state of New York, wow. I've, uh, uh, NFL athletes. I mean, I've had such a ma- amazing, tremendous conversations. And the show has taken on a life where people are actually interested and in give a shit what I say. Yep. Right. It, it's incredible, man. I love it. Right. Um, do you still keep in touch with Gary? I try to right. Gary, Gary, Gary's a tough one. So I tried really, really hard. So I was, um, I don't know if you guys saw the clip from Dallas from 2019 when I ran into him at at the LinkedIn conference and he, he called me out on stage, blah, blah, blah. And I said to him then and there, I'm like, Gary, I want you to be my hundredth guest. I'd love it and everything. It's like, he's like, he's like, yeah, we'll talk to my people, talk to your people, you know, one of those things. Right. And I've been trying for a year to get him on the show and he is elusive, very Mm -hmm. elusive. Um, But I really truly believe that everything happens for a reason and when the time is right, it will happen. I think if you give I'm not done chasing him.
0: If you give Gary some type of value that's not money, you'll be able to sell him on it. If you give him if you give him him something with value and and we're working on the same thing because we actually met through D Rock. D Rock was doing some consulting for us. He kind of that's how we met, yeah. Yeah, he helped Michael and I with our podcast the same way that person helped you with your podcast. D rock kind of helped us with our podcast. And I was trying to get on LinkedIn live and it was making me so angry that I wasn't accepted because I put out just hours and hours of content on LinkedIn. Right. And then he's D rocks, like talk to Adam, maybe he has some insight. So that's how we got connected. Yeah. A week later, just by coincidence, I got accepted. So maybe it was just kismet that we met.
2: Go figure. Right.
0: And then, uh, and it was, uh, and then we met and then we, we, we made plans to come at each other's shows. And then it just turned out that we were very alike yeah. Jew- Jewish boys from Long Island and podcasts and interviewing people. Very, very cool.
2: Yeah. And and it's the interesting thing about Gary. And I think about this a lot too. I mean, my story of Vayner is just a chapter in my book and I'm five Absolutely. years and I'm, fi- yeah. and I'm five years past that. But you know, and, and I've, and I've had the, the, the email exchange back and forth when I tell Gary, I'm like, I only want to talk about that for a minute on the show. There's so much more value that I want to bring from our conversation. I mean, I listen to Gary's content all the time and mm-hmm. it's a lot of the same. It's a lot of the same sound bites and everything. And I plan on coming at it from a completely different angle and he gets it. So when the time is right, it'll happen. I mean, I literally just book shows into February, 2020. I love the guests that I have lined up. I got like these two NASCAR guys, a black and a white guy that are literally leading a pit crew for a NASCAR pit crew. Amazing. And they have a book out called 12 second culture, like cool shit like that. Right? Like there's a lot of things. And I like you guys, like I take a lot of pride in the curation of the guests and the lineup and like really making sure that like, these aren't just anybody like these aren't like, and they don't how have to do be popular. You, they don't even have to be popular. As long as you, you have a great story and value to add, that's what how matters.
0: Do you fi- how do you find your guests?
2: <sighs> that's a good one, man. So it's a combination. I get a lot of outreach these days. I've like PR firms that are reaching out to me. And like, so some of them like little things here and there, if it's interesting, if it aligns, it has to align with the objective of my show, which is tenacity. Everyone on my show has this burning tenacity and fire inside of them. How it's ignited their career, how it's changed their life, how they had to pivot. And if it's not there and someone's just pitching me a story because they want to get their product on the air, that doesn't do anything. That doesn't do anything for me. But I'm also very strategic in who I reach out to. Like if I see somebody that has a good story, and even if it's a reach guest for me, I'll go after them. Right, and if they want to be on my show, they want to be on my show. Listen, this isn't Joe Rogan. I don't have a million freaking downloads. My show does actually pretty well. I've had a, the month of October was my greatest month that I've had in a long time. I, really? My my downloads are up, everything's up, and that's after a big dip. So the show was going on a nice trajectory in February, and then COVID hit because my audience geographically is major market cities in the U.S. and they're commuters. Right. So a lot of people were listening in their cars, they were listening on the train, they were listening on the bus, and then they stopped listening. So that show dipped. It came down, and then September, October, we started to pick this bad boy up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's been a nice journey, but it's fun for me, man. Do you, have you ever read the book "Save the Cat"? No, never even okay. heard of it. All right, well, I'm no. a
1: sc- I'm a screenwriter. I'm I'm an author, and "Save the Cat" is it's all about beat sheets. And when you said you have to tell a story, that it's not just like, so what's your favorite food? What's your favorite McDonald? You know, do you like no. McDonald's Burger King? uh do you you know what do you do on vacation like everyone will be bored as fuck no it is what you said about the story eric and i were doing that subconsciously we didn't even realize we were doing that but you are, one, exactly, you are one what exactly you're 100 right in that there there has to be a beginning a middle and an end there's got to be setbacks in the podcast that you you have to really dig into that person it and has to be a journey that's that's exactly right that's and save the and, cat is about it's about literally breaking down every single movie in the history of film and 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 telling and right. each each movie is the same. Fast there point break of the same. But right, there's
2: a three there's a three parts to every movie, right? You Correct. Know, with right, each thing like,
1: broken down into the each three things, and that's really what a po- an hour podcast technically
2: is. I mean, and I can't do it. And I've had people say to me, they're like, Adam, your show's too long. I go, then don't listen. I go, no, I can't do no. I can't do a fifteen minute bite sized right. podcast. I am long form conversational. I right. build it up, and the, these guests they get into this flow, man, and that's like a kind of a thing for me that I pick up from Howard Stern. He loosens the guests up. Yes, I mean, I don't know if you ever yes. heard the interview he did <clears throat> with Hillary Clinton a few months ago, and it's a fascinating hater. lover, lover, yeah. hater. But he dug into the love story between Bill and Hillary. I've never heard this before. So you go back to right. the late '60s, early '70s, like these two two kids in law school that are meeting, right? This, this love story. You're like, yeah, they're humans. This is before they were the Clintons that we know and love and hate now, right? Like, there right. it's a much, but those are the type of stories, and I want to give people a platform to tell their stories. And that's what it's all about. And I don't care if the show is I, – I, I talk for as long as we need to. And mm-hmm. if you want to listen, you listen to it.
1: Have you always done that? Have you always been like a yenta? Like that's what they call you – know? Oh, yeah. You always been a yenta.
2: Yeah, I've always been an old soul kind of yenta. And I love it. Yeah. But the, the yeah. weird thing is too, I don't always love talking. There's times too. I don't know about you guys. Yeah. There's some days – and I, I'm a recruiter, so I talk to people all day long on the phone. I get burnt. I get burned from shows. I get burned from podcasting. I get burned. Like there's some days, and and I always kick myself when I book a very heavy Friday Mm -hmm. at the end of the week. Like I feel myself running on fumes. Yeah. And sometimes it's like pulling teeth. It's showtime. You guys know this. You guys work with celebrities. Like when that camera goes on, it's showtime. Hundred percent. Right. And I want to bring the energy. I want to bring the flow. Right.
0: It doesn't matter what's going on. That your kids, you know, melting down over something, or you know, whatever, whatever it is that's going on. You gotta just. Shake it off, and you have to go on.
1: What was your favorite interview you interview you've ever done?
2: That's a great question. Um, so there, there there's been a couple. So if I've only top five, top five, yeah, yeah. Top five so, favorite so so there's one. the My number one interview that I did was with my daughter last year on December 31st. We were sitting right here in this room. She was off from school, and we and I just got LinkedIn Live like a month ago. And she was like just hanging out with me, and she worked with her mom to an, ask me five questions. So she interviewed me. And then I interviewed her, and then at the end of the thing, we were just talking about how optimistic we are for mm-hmm. 2020. And then I look back on that episode, I'm like, shit. But I look at her today, and she's never lost that optimism. So that show, me, that show for me was a time capsule. Um, another great show for me, the one and only show that I ever recorded live in person was with Claude Silver. That's Gary's right-hand lady. Claude is the chief heart officer at Vayner. That was last December. I went in. My buddy is a professional filmmaker, and he shot it multi-camera beautiful done, like lighting and everything in there. Mm-hmm. And we had a heart to heart, like we had that heart to heart conversation, real life, mm-hmm. real people conversation. And that was another one. Um, Joel Lundenfeld, who uh, probably he was my buddy in college, a couple years older, he went on to be the head of marketing at Twitter. And we just had an incredible conversation wow. about his life, his journey, him saying that he wanted to retire at 40. And he went and he did that. Right. And now he built this like ranch out in California with his kids. He's consulting. He's doing all that. And then there's a couple of shows that were folks that you would never even know of. This kid, he's 22 years old. His name is Oleg Lockheed. Right? I don't know if you've seen him on LinkedIn. Oh yeah. Um, yeah, seen. he he's has jacked, an incredible. Right? Yeah. What's that? Is he jacked? No, 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 no. Definitely no. Not. It's a
1: different guy. But I, I've yeah. seen his name before.
2: He he has an incredible story about him and his sister literally consciously orphaning themselves in Soviet Russia, not Soviet Russia, but it was like, like it was, you know, still shitty Russia to get here over to the United States, not knowing a word of English. And it's an incredible life story about just like heart and tenacity. And like, like, you hear these people's life story. Right. And I also learned as a podcaster, there's a time to sit back and just listen Mm -hmm. and, and and maybe steer the show a little bit, like move that rudder in a direction way or another, but let the guest take the show. 100%. And that was one of those shows where I literally just sat back and like just moved it along. And then I had another similar show with that with a buddy of mine named Eric Cusin. I don't know if you know him. I went to high school with him. Um Were you going to high school? Well, I went to Calhoun. He actually went to Kennedy, but I went to middle school with him. Okay. And he was a very successful executive in sports. And he had a tremendous breakdown, a mental breakdown to the point where he was getting like electroshock therapy, wow. like in an institution wow. and his comeback story. And that was an hour and 20 minutes, my longest episode. I think it was an hour and 15 minutes. Mm-hmm. And it was another one where I just sat there and listened and I was like blown away by the story. Mm-hmm. And so many people got value from that. So I love it, man. I mean, I don't have to tell you guys, sometimes you get conversations with people and you don't know where it's going to go. Right. And you don't know what box you're going to open up. So another technique that I learned also was called, it's called poking the bear. Because if you listen to a lot of these podcasts, there's podcasters that are afraid to ask a tough question. Maybe a little controversial, you know, so it's called poking the bear because you want, you know, there's that bear hibernating, sleeping, right? You want to get that bear to wake up. I piss that bear off enough and you want to do it in a respectful way. But listen, this is entertainment. You want to ask questions where people are not getting the same questions. You want to be provocative a little bit. Exactly. Exactly.
1: All right. So let's go into it. What was the, what was your biggest regret in your life? Your biggest mistake that you made that you wish you never fucking made it. And you you wish you could turn back time and go. What the fuck was I thinking and and go go deep goes as, as hardcore as you want.
2: Yeah, I mean there there there's a few of them there too. I mean, I think before I met my wife, I made some really bad decisions. I was dating a girl for about 7 years and I was not a good person to her. Yeah. You know, I made some really bad decisions. I got myself involved with some some people that I shouldn't have. I've done some bad things, you know, and that but I think also defines you. I think that's also like your 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 core, right? And I think I think a lot of people like I think when you've been through some shit, that's really what makes you. Your, your, past doesn't rep-
1: your past doesn't represent your future, but, but your no. pro- your
0: problems make you who you are. If you can yeah. over- if you can overcome them, that's where the success yeah. happens.
2: Yeah, and career wise too, I think I made some mistakes too. I've chased money on jobs that weren't right. Like I went to American Express. I left Sirius XM, which is an interesting career regret for me right? I was there for five years. I was enjoying it, and I just didn't have a... There was a boss that I really just didn't like, that I didn't love, and we had a really weird relationship, and I could have put the effort in. I could have went to another department. I love working there, but one of my friends, she was working over at American Express, and she said, what a great place it was to work, dude. So I went there for like 25 grand more, which was a lot of money. I went like, I don't know, it was 2011. I was making like a buck 25. I went to like 150, and that's a lot of money. That's a big difference. You know, you're 32, 33 years old. That's good money. Mm -hmm. And I went there. I'm not even shitting you, man. The first day I walk in, I'm at a week of HR training. I'm like, what am I sitting here? Like, it's like literally like, like class, everything there was like class, man. And that's the opposite of who I am. Right. I had to wear pants and a button down, you know, I'm coming from Sirius XM where literally could wear, you know, whatever the hell you want over there. Right. And I walk out of the training after three days of training and I'm getting introduced to my team and someone comes up to me and albeit this is like what 12 years out of college at this point. Right. Hey, I'm blah, blah, blah. Nice to meet you. Hey, I'm Adam. Hey, what school did you go to? I go, what? I go to University of Buffalo. And they're like, you know that look? I mean, Mm -hmm. these are all people with like top school, top pedigree, B school backgrounds. Not only did I come come from University of Buffalo, not only was I there for five and a half years, not only do I not have a freaking master's in anything, but I have the same job as you, making more money. And that pissed a lot of people off right so that was a a regret for me but you know you look back on that i'm like i learned so much there in the year and a half that i was there man i learned about process i learned about like the financial acumen you needed to like run pieces of business like the marketing metrics and all but the most important thing you did marketing
0: you did marketing there
2: i did marketing. yeah i did email marketing in america i did the delta card i managed the delta card there um i learned what i didn't like Mm -hmm. i learned all those things that i never wanted to do again in a job or in my career Mm -hmm. yeah i mean regrets are hard man and and you know people say like oh no regrets no we all have fucking regrets man so you own
1: your own you own the business now right
2: i own my business which is insane like you
1: couldn't have worked for someone
2: and and and, and i but here's here's a point mike i i had this revelation i think i was driving yesterday and i had this revelation i go there's no better high than running your own business where you are solely responsible for the success or failure of it. There's no better drive. There's no better That's energy. There's, and I yep. love it, man. I, because when you have a job and you have a career and you're like, you're getting a salary, like you could kind of coast a little bit here and there. Right. I'm not saying you fuck off on your job or anything, but like, you know, you're getting your paycheck. If I don't deliver, if I don't come every single day and drive my business forward, there won't be a business. You guys know this. There won't like, there's no one else behind me 100%. and there's no plan B. There was never a plan B when I launched this business. Because I truly believe once you even think about it, I'm not talking about contingency. I'm talking about a true plan B, like what else am I going to do? Because once you have that thought in your head, it's there and it's taking up energy and it's taking up space that could be more useful to drive your business forward. And you already have that mindset. You already have a failing mindset.
1: Right. How big do you want to get with your business?
2: So it's interesting. You know, I had a conversation with somebody a few months ago, uh, someone I look up to in my industry who has done something similar. He's like, I'm as big as I want to be. I don't need to be huge. Mm-hmm. right big companies big problems right so here's what i say i just yeah. want to wrap this thought up. i want to make enough money where my wife doesn't have to work anymore that's yeah. the simplest way for me to say it and i have yeah. a number in my head which is consistent it needs to be consistent over 2 years the economy's got to be in a good place cuz my sure. job's consistent on the economy dude my business was down 65% year over year cuz of this covid bullshit sure
0: sure same so, deal so, i mean we, yeah. were, we yeah. were we were down you know 99% yeah, April, 2020. And now we're down about between 65 and 70%. But yeah, no, it's, it's, it's real. You hit the nail on the head where, uh, when you own your own business, there's, you can't go running home to mommy. There's, there's no, no, nobody can fix it. If you make a bad mistake. And, um, 2020 certainly has, has thrown everybody for a major, major loop.
2: I'm thankful for 2020. Uh, amen. Absolutely. I would not absolutely. be in a position that I am in now yep. and the things that I did and the things that I learned. So I had a choice and I remember the date It was March 13th and I had to cancel South by I was South by for me is four days of insane. It's business huge. It's for me it's, I put it for four days, man. And I just annihilate business. I sit in the lobby of the four seasons and I sit there and I put my credit card down at the bar and I just mingle with everybody. And those are real relationships, right? Like, yep, and absolutely. like shit. So I had to pivot. And I have a tribe of mentors. Some of them are near, some of them are far, some of them are close. Some of them are just like the Gary V's who kind of sit on your shoulder and you hear them kind of chirping in your ear. Mm-hmm. But there's a gentleman by the name of Joe Mullins. I don't know if you've seen him on LinkedIn. <clears throat> He's yeah. a recruiting legend. And the guy himself is a freaking legend. Look him up afterwards. He has an insane story, life mm-hmm. story. And he built this empire in South Florida, uh, MedTech Recruiting. And I went down there in February. He showed me, like, what he built was incredible there. And he's always available for me. I mean, this guy's awesome. He flies freaking private jets to you. I like, built a crazy recruiting business. He doesn't need to talk to me, but he does because he cares. Mm-hmm. And he's that type of guy. So he said to me, it was March 13th, and, and I live south shore of Long Island. You know where I live, and there's this beautiful pond by my house, and that's where I go for walks. If I don't need to be in front of a computer, I walk. I take all my meetings walking. And I remember it was, like, a beautiful March day, and I'm just walking outside. And he said to me, he goes, you have a choice to make right now. Because there's not going to be a lot of business coming in. There's going to be zero business coming in in recruiting, especially for what you do. So you have a choice. You could either curl up in a ball right now and die and throw in the towel, or you could flip this motherfucker on its head and go all in. Mm -hmm. Go all in on you, go all in on your company, and go all in, most importantly, on your relationships. And the concept is being invaluable. How could you continue to provide value to your clients even though there's no business, you can't be there with your hand out asking for something. Right, and that's what I did. I went all in, and I and I work with my current clients and said, "All right, you're not hiring right now, but let's look at your process. Look at your employee engagement. What are you guys doing on social media to attract talent? How are you building a pipeline?" And I didn't ask for a penny. And now that things are opening back up, those clients, I am the first person on their list. And the last two weeks, I've had insane business coming in. Amazing. And what
0: it would What would you tell someone that's looking for a job in marketing now?
2: Well, it's interesting. So it, it's tough don't out there, right? Do so don't, don't do don't it. Don't do it. No, 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 definitely. I think I think the really tough part now is that there's a lot of people, good people out of work. So what that's, and very limited jobs, right? So what that's done is, if you're an A player, it's like free agency in baseball, right? Like pick of the litter, man. I mean, listen, I'm a Mets fan. We got Steve Cohen in there. He's opening up his checkbook. We're going to sign some free agents. We're going to sign some free agents. But you know who's not going to get signed? That average Jane and Joe out there who's struggling, who's out of work, who's just average. Mm-hmm. It's even harder for them. So what you need to do as a candidate right now is stand out. You got to differentiate yourself. How do you do that? How do you utilize LinkedIn as this crazy organic reach to put yourself out there, right? Create a video, take a current event, like a news article in your industry and put a spin on it. Give your point of view. Because when us recruiters are looking at you, we want to see some of that stuff. We want to see that you're inquisitive. We want to see that you care about your industry, that you actually care and you're not just there for your paycheck. Now, listen, there's nothing wrong with that, right? We all get into that kind of flow sometimes, but if I'm hiring you need to stand out because there's a lot of people out there. That's great. I, how? Hold yeah.
0: on one second. How? How essential has the podcast been for your business?
2: I'm gonna I'm gonna tell you a not so secret secret. My podcast is my number one biz dev driver, and I'm gonna yeah. tell you exactly why. It is insanely easier and more effective for me to reach out to a top executive of a company that i want to engage and invite him or her to be on my show to talk about themselves to talk about their product to talk about their company than me sending 50 freaking cold call emails and phone calls to say hey i got a recruiting business Are you guys hiring you're not hiring you don't need me you crack the code but if i could take you and bring you onto my show and build this relation yep. if you saw the rolodex that i have of my spreadsheet All these people, like, look at the show that I have today. Look at the show that I have Friday. These live shows, right? I'm putting three or four HR leaders on my show. Now, they may have 30, 40-person talent acquisition companies, and they don't need me, Mm -hmm. but what we do now have is a relationship because they are in their network of other HR leaders. So when it's a little small startup that says, hey, we need to hire four people, that's my sweet spot, where I come in, and they hire me for three months on a contract. That's how it works.
0: Take note, people.
2: This is how it works, and it works, and I don't hide it. I don't hide it, and no. I have a follow-up, and I have a cadence, and I have a whole way that I engage with these folks before the show, during the show, and after the show for follow-ups, and these are how you build relationships. I mean, imagine right now you're speaking to a leader and an executive at a company for an hour on a one-on-one interview. Mm-hmm. You're building a rapport. They're getting to know you. And I'm, on,
1: I'm on a first-name basis with the people we've inter- interviewed, and they have it. millions of followers on YouTube, and we oh, are man. so – like hooked up with them like we we haven't gone to a bar with them yet but we have their gamer tags but we have their gamer tags right and And we have their email addresses
0: If there's an article or something of interest we're we're communicating with them and yeah you know yeah we want to break into youtube right like we we want to have a million followers on youtube and the only way by doing that is getting
1: is by talking to those people that that do the same exact thing and what i I thought what's the power in your in your personal thing how do you like how do you reach out to people and like, is it through LinkedIn? Is it through email? Do you, and like, yeah. is what's the power of a cold call to you? Because right now I, I'm back to cold calling. I built, I built my family business by literally nah. sitting at my desk in New on Long Island, cold calling people in Vegas, nonetheless, saying, you have to you, use my limo service, use my limo service. Now I'm cold calling people on fucking YouTube and LinkedIn saying, That's yo, great. I love your journey. I want to talk to you.
2: It works. I mean, so I still cold call, but I, but, but it's a cadence. It's a different cadence now. So I'm using, it's really interesting too. So if you want to go like, if you want to get tactical here for a moment here, I built out. So again, going back to why COVID has been great. I got an SBA loan. I decided to take that money and invest it into executive coaching. I hired an executive coach who was a client of mine that I cold called two and a half years ago. He was my first paying client when I went to my own business, Brian Cristiano, freaking awesome. Love this dude. So what I tell people is Beyonce, Serena Williams. Tiger Woods, all of these professional top performers and athletes, they all have coaches because you need somebody to see your blind spots. You need someone who has been where you were, where you want to go to show you how to get there when you don't know how to do it yourself. I've never, I've been a natural sales guy, but I didn't have the techniques. I didn't have the strategy. And I worked with Brian and I built out a sales infrastructure, cadence, email, drop drip campaign. I built out my database. I invested into a CRM platform. And now I have all this infrastructure there, which is a well-oiled machine and it feeds me leads. And I use the podcast as a hook. I built out one pagers that show how I saved my current client a quarter million dollars in the first half of, of 2020 during COVID. Right. These are all tools that he guided me to build that work. I am thankful for 2020 because we are going to come out of this and I'm going to be incredibly stronger. I feel it. I have confidence from the show. I have confidence from the business that I'm building and it comes through. I mean, I'm a different person than I am even a year ago when I thought I was making great strides. And it's not cocky. It's just who no, I am now. And I love it.
1: You're feeding your subconscious with success. And when you keep, you've said it like a dozen times already. I, 2020 has been a revelation. It's been wonderful. It's been Absolutely. so good for us.
0: But you um, you believe that and that makes it true. You,
1: that's yeah. exactly right. Where you're, you know, like we're sitting here thinking, oh, you know, fucking COVID hit the travel industry. Oh my God. Oh my God. We picked up three master salespeople during this entire COVID thing that they would have never looked at us prior to COVID,
2: and we'll and, come out of this. And now you have them on your team. That's
1: exactly right. Yeah, that's crisis. exactly right. All right. So your your channels are primarily LinkedIn, correct?
2: Yeah, and it's in, it's tough, man. I think like,
1: it, you hit the ceiling.
2: Yeah. Well, yes and no too, because I I I I like to use the analogy of the plumber with the broken toilet. Right. Like I know how to market on social media. I just never did right. it. I didn't build up the community strong enough in the beginning with the show. And now I'm playing the back game right? I'm mm-hmm. trying to backfill. I'm building up my, my podcast community. I did shit on Instagram. I really don't put the time and attention into it. I YouTube. The I literally channel. YouTube. I literally just put it out there and I like just skin it. I don't do anything in that game. It's tough, man, because I have a business to run and, I, and the show takes up a lot of my time. I mean, I have a well-oiled machine as far as like production and process and all that. And, you know, I think my years of account management and project management have made that easy. Mm. But I haven't done a great job of like of, of tapping into somebody's channels. But it's tough too. my show is pretty niche. My show is niche. I have some guests on occasionally and I pepper them in for that exact reason, to have a little bit broader appeal. Right. Like when Governor Patterson opportunity came to me, it has nothing to do with my show. But this opportunity fell in my lap. I and mean, when you have an opportunity to interview a former governor. Hell yeah. Yeah. And it was a tremendous show. And I read the book. I haven't read a book in three years. And I went <laughs> and I sat there in May. And I sat out of my chair in my backyard. And I, and I even, they didn't even have the final book out yet. The book just came out like a month ago. But I got the preview. I went to Kinko's. I printed it out. It actually cost me more to print it and bind it. He laughed about it when I told him. I go, I spent like 35 bucks to print it at Kinko's, get it bound and everything. He goes, the book's only 20 bucks. He goes, you just <laughs> give me the $20 for it. He's great, by the way. It's really cool. And, true. and yeah. I sat there in my backyard. How did you Paul get with, him? <clears throat> yeah, you- relationships. That's exactly the story right there. My current client, my current client. This is actually really funny. My current client, I'm in a meeting in February in their office with this laptop that I have in front of me. On the mm-hmm. back of my laptop, I have my podcast sticker. The creative director goes, oh, you have a show? I go, yeah, tell me about it. Told him about the show. He goes, yeah, my good friend Dr. Simon Mills is really close with Governor Patterson. You got to talk to him. Had the conversation with Dr. Mills, who's in a, It's he's like Russell Crowe on acid. He's the most amazing, <laughs> interesting human being. I'm going to have him on my show. Incredibly successful. He's a character. Right. I had a great conversation with him. He goes, hey, man, in an Australian accent that I'm not even going to do. But he's like, he's like, we'll get the gov on your show. Wow. And that's how it happened, man. And Governor Patterson could not have been more generous, more down to earth. I mean, the stuff he said about Trump and Obama was like gold. What did he say about Trump and Obama? He really, he goes, he goes, he goes, President Trump is the most awful businessman in the entire world, but the best politician in the history of politics. And he broke that down. Why? And he broke down the why behind that. And the thing that, it's so funny, I've been talking to my friends on both sides of this. And the thing about Trump that you have to remember, he is the most authentic president, politician, whatever you want to call him that we've ever had. He can't be anything but himself. Right. We've never seen a more authentic human being. Now, how you interpret that is one thing, right? right. Whatever side, but he is what he is. You see what you get, you get what you see. Like that's him, man. Right. And you have to kind of be like, that's interesting observation there.
1: He's definitely not a um your typical run-of-the-mill, you know
2: left or right politician he's not
0: not joe biden he's not Joe Biden, any stretch of the imagination
2: no they're opposites they're polar opposites i mean it's been crazy do you guys feel and then we're not going to get into like who you voted for what your thoughts are on this and everything i felt the biggest weight off my chest this weekend yep with the weather and and the and this election and i literally was outside all weekend with my kids and like everybody was listen there's a lot half the population is unhappy right now let's just call let's just be mindful about that but I was like, for one weekend, I was like, finally, in the last eight months, I'm just like a change, better or worse, like it just a change. You know, what it, it's really you know different. what it is?
0: Like, you know, I think the media drives the perception in a certain direction. Like I was watching CNN a lot this weekend and I don't watch the news. No. I'll read the news, but I don't watch the news. And just every other word out of the news channel was we live in such a divisive country. We live in such a divisive country. And I'm it's like, their fault. But and not only that is it, it, not only that <laughs> is it their fault, but I'm just like. I've never met anybody that's been divisive. Everybody that I meet is is down the middle. Who, ha- you know, like everyone Fifth I the
2: extremes. Meet, yeah, the far left who, and far right. But who, but who,
0: they're on I've, Twitter. I've never, they're, I think there's. I think they're just selling something to get more clicks and more likes well, and more Well, yeah, that's what the media does. That's what the liberal, you know, but I mean. I, I just feel like everybody that I've ever met is right down the middle. Everyone is socially liberal.
2: I don't, just completely like conservative, right? I, I mean, believe in business, exactly. entrepreneurship. Yes. You know, pro choice, you know, like pro guns exactly. I mean, my choice is pro- well, I mean that's my choice, you know, but like right.
0: most people are common sense, but they're n- but and most people are going to be like, you know, yeah, I'm not really into guns, but I guess if you want to have it it's fine. You know, I've yeah. never met someone that says we need to get rid of all guns or, you know, like
1: we have to On Twitter, it's- it exists. On Twitter, yes, but speaking with real people, no. Yeah. It's it's crazy. I man. I think the country is in a definite need of a change. Um and again, I'm not Republican and I'm not Democrat. I am in the purple state. Yeah. And I believe Joe Biden will do what the country needs right now, because uh, honestly and truly, and this is not against Trump, um, he didn't the last nine months
2: and the media, the COVID especially, like he didn't hand, Correct, if he, he, he could have hit this out of the park. He could yeah. have been a Wear dunk. a
1: yeah. mask. That's all he had to say to people: just wear well, and, a mask, and, and it would
2: have cut down, and it would have cut down an insane amount of the spread beyond and i don't want to get all politic yeah yet. let's I let's not get politics. in there yeah no but ultimately i
1: think that the country made the choice that w- is good for the country and i'm today did you read the news today i'm having the best morning i'm having the oh, best with morning. pfizer you yeah about
2: the pfizer news and yeah. the
1: the joke is Pfizer. Pfizer you know, stock is through the roof. That's not the only yeah, thing. Yeah, about fifteen percent. I
2: bought. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, Pfizer's
1: raised other things before, but
2: fifteen um, percent right. today. Like oh, immediately Monday morning, it was like let's get that press well, release. They were they up. were
0: definitely sitting on this for
2: the last few weeks, but of you know, course they were. You know I, the I, election. Well, Ah, I mean, I mean, that's not that I mean, hiding the fact that, but like, let's get this shit done, man. It's so crazy, man. I was having a conversation. I saw my buddies uh, yesterday from from Jersey that I haven't seen in eight months, and we we're talking about like we all go to shows together. I mean, this is your business, you guys, tremendous show business. Like, I was like, when are we going to be able to go to a real concert again? And they're like, well, not. It's not going to be this summer. It's going. I. It sucks, mm, but if you no, I just I think I, I think it's going to happen. I
1: you want to laugh? Jones
2: Beach opening up. I need to be at Jones Bro. Beach. Bro, I, see, I, had it's tickets, right there. I
1: had tickets to see Tool at Nassau Coliseum. It got my, canceled like
2: a week before. Yeah, the April yeah, shows. Yeah. With my, with
1: my wife and kids because we're obsessed with Tool. Yeah. I had tickets to, t- to take my kids to see 311 at Jones Beach yep. last summer. I'm telling you, I'm just putting this out there. And yes, I'm a big conspiracy theorist. I think as of January 21st, the day after he's inaugurated, I think then you're going to really start seeing um, cases the cases go down. The cases go down. You, everyone's going to get inoculated. I think yeah. by summer. I, I'm I couldn't wait. Eric and I have a live cast today at 2 p.m. Monday Mot- Monday motivations. I want to get a haircut in a barbershop. I want to go to a restaurant and sit in a restaurant. A oh, loud... You guys haven't done that? No. Yeah. No, no we, we we
2: we uh we we pushed it, man. I mean, I was in Lake George in June and we were sitting in indoor dining with like by the windows open. Um I have, a, I have a hair guy in Merrick, by the way, does it in his basement. I, it's fresh, fresh too.
1: It looks good. We have a, a uh, someone that comes to our house to take care of yeah. us. Eric, Eric clearly does it by himself. But huge cost life.
2: savings on that. I always say that with guys with heads. I'm like, it's so easy. You don't have to get up in the morning. You don't have to worry about like doing your hair. I got to like schedule if, my place, day and week around if I'm doing my hair or not for a show. It's if like I
0: had no real world problems, Michael. If, if I had hair, I would be getting a haircut. Well, I'm I've seen old pictures you know. of you. I did my research. No, no, not anymore. Nah, it's, pretty,
1: it's going pretty fast.
0: This this keeps it under control anyway. What is
1: your What is your day entail? What time do you get up? What do you take us through a day of? Oh, the, the p-
2: I get up bars. at four a.m. and I'm doing cold dip breathing exercises, meditation, then I'm journaling. I have my gratitude journal. Fuck that shit. I got two little kids. I have a, I have a two and a half year old son who is absolutely the most delicious maniac you've ever seen. You guys have kids, you know the deal. My two year old son is out of his mind. He's the most delicious, beautiful thing in the world. The other day at the park. I'm with my eight-year-old daughter. My wife's with with my son. And she's like, Adam, he just ate something. I don't know if it's dog shit or asphalt. And I'm like, I go, I hope it's the dog shit because at least it's organic. And I said that to her. She goes, what? I go, yeah, I don't want to be eating asphalt. The dog shit is dog food. At least it's... I'm like, I'm like I really just had to make that choice between right. asphalt and dog shit. Right. But... <clears throat> I, I get up. I get up when my kids get up, right? My my son gets up. Daylight savings, which I despise, ruins that was him. Horrible. I'm like, why is he up at 6:15 on a Saturday morning? This sucks. Go back <laughs> to bed, asshole. Um, <clears throat> I get up. I get up. I if I'm working from home on some days, I have my nice bedroom office. I'll you know make my coffee, get the kids off to school. That's nice and easy. And then I get working, man. And then so there's something I really believe in, and this was taught to me on day one when I started in recruiting. My recruitment genie, my mentor Tom Hall, said to me first thing he said to me. And I repeat this every day and I preach this every day. Is plan your work and work your plan. Plan your work and work your plan. I live on post-it notes. If I could get through 80% of the things that I need to do on my to-do list on top of like the day-to-day recruiting, the day-to-day biz dev, that's a productive day for me. You get your curveballs, you get your shit coming out of left field that All you right. got to deal with. But I know at the end of the day, I look down at that list how productive I was. Did I get everything I need to do? So I'm very focused right. on what I need to do. I'm a student in my calendar. I'm a student of the white space on my calendar too. And I know when I have those white spaces, those are blocking and tackling. That's when I need to get shit done. I'm an in the trenches recruiter. I'm looking at resumes. I'm having phone calls with candidates and I'm moving the business along too. So I know what I need to do when I need to get it done. And I also block out my calendar too for some time that I need for myself. Like if I need to be doing reading, if I need to do being like guest research, I never interview a guest without doing the research because then you sound like an asshole.
0: I have a question. You know we got this a little bit when when we first started the podcast we became very well known in our limo industry and when i would go to shows and stuff like that they you know people wanted pictures with me and, and, and do and doing stuff and it was like weird because like you were a, wow. a celebrity so do you, for when you're getting candidates do you find that as well where they're kind of like because like if they've seen your show i had a couple where it's yeah. like, you know, like, oh, I'm talking to Adam now. This like So, like, what you created is that, like, candidates should want to go with you
2: because of your reach. It's not the candidates because I work for the clients. And I say this all the time I in recruiting. See. Whoever's buttering my bread is who I work for. I, I mean, see. I'm a high-class call girl, man. I mean, I work for the highest bidder. I really do. <clears throat> I mean, that's what I do, man. Right. I'm a mercenary. That's why I go back to the A-team analogy from when we started tra- chatting, man. And I love it. Right. I love being a mercenary. I love not having – like, listen, these are my clients. And I do what I got to do for them, man. But I'm my own boss. At any right. moment, I could fire my client. If it's not a good relationship, I could walk away from it. Right. I have that control. I have the control of my paycheck.
1: Eric, we have to introduce him to Holzer.
2: Do you know Adam Holzer? Why does that name sound familiar?
0: Because
1: everybody he's, knows <coughs> Adam Holzer. He's, it,
0: he's on LinkedIn. He he, <laughs> he owns this uh, connections. For, he owns connectionsforhire.com. So he basically, he'll connect, if you, basically, if you want, you know.
1: Master connector. Yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah
0: <clears> but, uh, and, we'll, we'll and he's, he's a long islander and he's huge in
2: associations yeah, sounds like that's, familiar that's yeah i mean great. connection and i tell them my my superpower is connecting and i even have in my in my title i'm a connection conduit there's nothing more than i love than connecting two people who are i know them both really well but they don't know each other and you're like how does eric not know michael how do these two guys not know each other already right. and then the icing on the cake is when you go to introduce them and they already know each other and you're like of course i know oh, him how do God. you not think and you're like I knew it. I My knew you biggest two would like each other.
1: Same thing when you you say I got a doctor you're going to love him or you know I got this guy a business partner you're going to love him. You, I that's helping people. Yeah. And and that's the law of karma. And I exactly. wrote the book on the law of karma. If you give out and you do it with love and not for, not for oh, yeah you know, I expect in return, right. man, the universe will take care of everything for you. It, before it really, yeah, before, tru- tru- before tru- we leave bit.
0: here, because Mike, we have to wrap up by 11. Adam has a hard stop then. Okay. Um, are you a believer in the law of attraction?
2: Yeah, 100%. And I, I'm a big believer in manifesting your destiny and putting it out into the universe. Gary V knows I want him on my show. It's going to happen. It's going to happen. Out, it's this out there in the universe. That? So I'm going to so yeah. pump the brakes on, on me harassing him. It's mm-hmm. going to happen when it's it has actually to meant to happen. It has, it has to, to happen, happen. It has happen organically because if you force yes. something, it's just not going to work. You're, forcing, and I've you're that.
1: forcing seeds to grow and that doesn't work. You planted the seeds of Gary coming on your podcast. You're watering it. You're tending to the dirt. You're taking yeah. care of it. Now you have to let the seed grow and take care of itself. And, and that's everything. That's, that's every, that's that's
2: every business.
1: Right. That's everything. That's, I mean,
2: that's that's really everything. I really believe in that. I believe in karma more than anything. Um, I believe in doing things the right way every time, even if it's harder, even if it takes a couple of extra minutes. And I talk about that in recruiting. I mean, I, sp- I posted about it on Friday, where like I try to, as best as I can, at the end of every week, wrap up any loose ends with candidates because I know that they're waiting. They're waiting to hear their status, um, that waiting was to great, hear if they're moving forward. That was a yeah, good because Because I was there. I've been unemployed. Like there's been four moments in my career, long periods of time. There was one that was six weeks. There was one that was two months. There was one that was seven months right. in 2008. Like I was there, man. I mean, I spent eight months every day at that coffee shop, turning on my computer, responding to emails, applying for jobs, pulling my hair out, wondering how the hell am I going to pay rent. Mm-hmm. I was on unemployment. I cashed out my 401k. I had no money, and I've been there with these candidates. and I know how it feels. To be waiting and i don't want anybody to have to go through that Adam, but posner, it's yeah. hard man it's hard you can't do this like giving bad news sucks man but you have to give it to them adam posner where can people find you you could find me on linkedin at adam j posner you could find the business side at nhptalentgroup.com and in case you're wondering nhp are my daughter's initials when i was naming my company i didn't know what to call it i was coming up with all these cliche names and my wife turned to me and she said, what's the most important thing in the world to you? This is before my son was born. I go, like, oh, it's Nina. And she goes, there you go. So it's NHP Talent Group. Thank and every you. time I look at my email signature, every time I look at my website, I know why I'm doing it. And the podcast, my the nickname was The Pause, to be confused Love with Wozner. And that was a no-brainer as well, too. So the PauseCast.com. And we just redid the website. We just redid the branding. And uh, come check it out and join the fun.
1: Adam, you got it all, man. You got the personality, you got the drive, you, cracked you the got code. the business, you got the code. Keep on. it up, man. We we're 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 huge fans. Thanks, guys. And appreciate we are saying likewise. Thank you. We're grateful for you coming on and talking. And like you have an open forum with us. Anytime you want to come on, you know, some big news or something, Oaken Bros is, you know,
2: you're officially a bro. So I love it, man. And you guys are doing good work there too. And uh, yeah, let's connect it. offline and I uh, wanna get some tips on the YouTube. We have a lot to talk about. I have <laughs> to find out. I
1: have to find out if he knew these people at Buffalo. So we're gonna sign off right now.
0: Everybody like, subscribe, leave comments down below. We love you
1: all. Smash the day like day. button, everybody. Bye, Bye everybody. Okay. Later, guys. Bye.